let's continue our discussion about the promise of peace. You know, we need to park in peace because this is what God tells us through the prophet Isaiah. Remember that he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him. Why? Because they trust him. Now, for everyone who trusts God, God says perfect peace is available to you, but you got to first accept it. Now, as we talked about, or as I talked about on the previous podcast, I talked about how peace is is what God gives us. He is the one that institutes peace. He is the originator of it. And when we think about peace and its definition to just recall what that perfect peace is, it's not this peace that the world gives. No, this is um, something that, that means completeness or soundness or welfare. The word that the Jews used often was uh, shalom. And all this really means is that there's nothing missing. It's more than a greeting. That's what we want to say. When when Jesus tells the disciples in John 20, peace be with you, or when he says, my peace, I leave with you, I give to you. He's not giving as the world gives. What he's speaking about is completeness. He's speaking about a soundness and welfare where there's nothing missing. There's no defect. There's no deficiency. There's nothing broken. Um, it's free from corrupting influence or or motives, as well as it's the enjoyment. That's what this piece is. The enjoyment of health and common blessings of life, such as prosperity and happiness. But today, I want to go a little bit further about how important it is that we recognize that this gospel message is all about peace. And it has been so from the beginning of time. And I mentioned this briefly in the previous podcast, but this peace is with God. And when we have peace with God, we can have peace within and we can have peace with others. Now the peace with God and man was disrupted in the Garden of Eden in the fall. Y'all know we can take it all the way back to the beginning, right? Genesis is the beginning of everything, of life. It is also the beginning of sin and disobedience. It is the beginning of separation with God. But it is also the beginning where we see that God loved, God created everything good, and that God is the restorer. Oh, yes, he is. When we look at the passage in Genesis chapter 3, we find that the enemy comes to disrupt the fellowship between God and man. He comes to have the man and woman reconsider the thing that God has said. So, you know, he gets them off course. They listen to the enemy instead of God. Now, you can read all about it, and I'm sure you are familiar with the enemy enemy tempting the woman and the man in the Garden of Eden Eden, to violate what God had already said. Now, when they commit this sin, 
you know, when they eat from the tree in the garden that God told them not to, something happens immediately. Well, the enemy told them they would not die because that's what God told them. What I mean, God told them that is what would happen if they ate from that tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the enemy comes and says, no, that's not so. You will not die. But immediately after the man and the woman had eaten, their eyes became open. They realized they were naked. So they do something to cover their sin. So they, they sew fig leaves together because they realize that they are naked. Something they had been the whole time, but it had not been an issue. It had not been a problem. You know, they were free before God. There was intimacy, a closeness where there was nothing hidden. Okay, so they made coverings. They tried to cover themselves. Now, fig leaves are kind of kind of sticky when you break them off. And they also have some prick prick pricks on them, a prickliness about themselves. So it wasn't a comfortable covering, y'all. I can tell you that. So when they hear God coming, something that they had never done before was hide from God. Why? Because their peace had been broken. Their fellowship had been broken. The confidence and comfort that they had going before the Father was now disrupted. So they go and hide from God. God. And God calls them and says, where are you? He calls to the man. And the man, Adam, he says to God that I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. I hid. We have now gone to uh, self-preservation because of sin. And so God says, well, who told you you were naked? Then he asked, do you know, did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then the man goes into the blame game, blaming the woman that God had given him. And then the woman God talks to and she said it was the serpent. And then God, you know, starts issuing out punishment, if you will, or consequences. I like that word better for uh, the actions that have been taken for the man, as well as the woman, and most definitely the serpent. serpent. Well, look, God does not want the relationship between his creation and he to be severed. So what does he do? He makes restitution for the man and the woman. Their attempt at trying to um, cover up their sin was fruitless. It was futile. It was worthless. It didn't amount to anything. But because God created and loved the man and woman, he does something to keep the relationship intact. And what he does is he makes garments of skin from an animal and clothes the man and his wife. He clothes Adam and Eve with it. Okay, so what's the significance of that? That was a sacrifice made. There was some blood shed. And according to um, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission or forgiveness of sin. Okay, so God institutes this plan to restore the fellowship, 
to cover the sin that the man and the woman committed so that the relationship between them can be intact. So if there is no sacrifice, if there's no bloodshed, then there is also no peace with God because there's discord whenever sin is not reckoned with, when sin has not been accounted for, when sin has not been confessed and forgiven. And so if you read the Bible, you will find out that, you know, God gives Moses um, a plan for sacrifices. And through those sacrifices, the shedding of blood, you know, the priest will go in and he will offer these sacrifices. And uh, I think it was uh, once a year, we'll go into this high place. If I'm wrong, uh, someone please correct me. And then they would um, make these sacrifices and they had to do it over and over again for the remission of sin. Well, you know how man is, you know, we don't do everything in accordance or in alignment with how God would have us to do them. So somewhere along the line, man started doing things the way they wanted to. And in Malachi, we find out that man was offering sacrifices that were unacceptable to God, blemished animals, animals with defects, you know, giving God the leftover and not the best. So God wasn't pleased with that. And God sends to us once and for all the final sacrifice. Oh my goodness. We celebrate the resurrection uh, morning and we celebrate it and we should be celebrating it with the recognition of what God has done. Remember, all of this comes from God. He is the one who um, could take offense or be offended by the sin and the transgressions that we have committed. But instead of staying in a state of offense, God, God implements, he implements the restoration plan so that we can be in fellowship, so that we can be in right relationship, so that we can be in peace with him. Oh, he sent Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yes, he is the peace, Prince of Peace. God himself is the Lord of Peace. He's the God of Peace. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of uh, the adoption, a spirit of adoption, I should say. And he gives us great comfort and peace as we go through life, overcoming every battle that we have with sin. So all three Godhead, you know, are peace, are peace. They are peace. And so in this New Testament, or when we see Jesus coming and he's saying, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but he's given us the peace from God that is without defect, without fault, without um, any type of brokenness. This is a, rest a restorative peace. It is one that brings or amends relationship. And because of that sacrifice on the cross that Jesus uh, gave, think about what he endured, the suffering, the shame. Think about how he was 
spit on and even slapped. I know the world cried out because of what happened between Will and Chris, but the Roman soldiers slapped Jesus and slapped him twice. Our Savior endured it. He went to the cross in peace. He did not allow his peace to be disrupted, not by the beatings, not by the nails that were uh, put in his hands and feet, not by the thorns, um, the, the crown of thorns that was placed on his head. None of that. He didn't allow any of that to disrupt his peace because he knew, you know, that it would be well because his eyes and his focus was always on the father. And the father said he would keep him in perfect peace, even when there was so much trouble, even when there was so much trial and pain. And so we can say, thank you, Jesus, because Jesus endured all of that for us. He paid that penalty that we owed. Guess what? so that we can have fellowship with God, so that they can, they, there could be peace between us and God, peace with God, so that we can have the fellowship and relationship that God created us to have in the beginning. So there, you know, peace is important. It's important. And God wants us to have his peace, okay? Remember, the disciples were in fear. And when you have fear reigning in your bodies or in your minds, you are lacking the peace that God has because your focus is on the problem more so than the peace. Remember, God says that we, I mean, the Bible tells us that we were not given the spirit of fear, but we have been given power. We have been given love. We have been given sound mind. Remember, peace a component of peace is soundness. That's that completeness, that shalom of God. And when, when the disciples were told by Jesus that they were going to carry this gospel message to go and make disciples, because this is a message of peace, one that is um, reconciliation with God, then you need God's peace in order to do this work, in order to represent Jesus, in order to look like him and to be called his children. He's sending them out with peace, with a confident assurance. He's sending them out with power. He's sending them out with his love too, to spread this glorious message of redemption. You too need to know that you have have the peace of God when you believe the work that God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, it's all about God. God does this. He sheds this blood, gives us forgiveness, and therefore we can have peace. Our sins are forgiven. Our life is restored. You know, we, we can live forever. Okay? Jesus is always concerned about his disciples. He's always concerned about those who follow him. You know, he wants us to operate in his peace. He wants us to stay in the state of discomfort, knowing that they will never leave us. God said he wouldn't, that he would never forsake us. 
He would never do that, that he would be with us always, even to the end ends of the earth. Now you can rely on that, lean on that, trust that, have the peace of God, park in his peace today, stay there, remain, because that's what it means to be steadfast or to be stayed on him. That is to continue in without moving away from, be permanently parked in the peace of God today. Okay. I want you to have peace. God wants you to have peace. We can have it because he promised it. So Father, we thank you again for your sacrifice, your institution of peace to restore the fellowship and relationship that you have with us. You love us so much, Lord, that you want us to be in your presence. You want us to operate in your peace. So I pray today that we receive the peace that God has for us. Okay? All right. You have a wonderful day walking in peace. This has been your Daily Dose.